Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. In today's episode, we dive deep into that ever-elusive term, relax. Sorry, what? How? We reckon a series to get your engines racing and multiple reads because apparently that's what happens when all of your friends are authors. Then we're sticking with the royal theme for guests that celebrity natal chart and we wrap it up with a conversation about COVID-19. Jord, I missed you this week. Yes, I know. I was meant to be coming to Sydney and um, I just couldn't get on an aeroplane. No, No. I know. (laughs) It hasn't been ideal, has it? No, and not because I hadn't booked my tickets, because I had. um, I was coming to Sydney to see Elizabeth Gilbert with Hull. We'd booked it ages ago and we were trying to decide, are we going to go to Brisbane? Are we going to go to Sydney? And I was like, no, no, let's go to Sydney. It'll be a good excuse for me to come down. Um, But I just felt so completely burnt out and drained yeah. this week. And the idea of hopping on an aeroplane, aside from corona frenzy, I just was like, I just don't think I can do it. And it was going to be a whirlwind trip of like less than 24 hours. Yeah. And then I had this fear of like, and I'm trying not to get caught up in the fear, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the weekly whinge, but... I was just like, if I get quarantined somewhere because someone else is at risk, the last place I want to be stuck is in an airport in Sydney. Especially when you're already feeling like depleted and fatigued. It's just not ideal. And like you said, it would have been such a whirlwind plus being in, it was a business tricks event. So hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. I think you made the right decision as much as I would have loved to sleep over with you. I know, it would have been so fun, but the event was amazing, I hear. Tell us about it. Oh, gosh. So for those of you who are maybe not familiar with Elizabeth Gilbert, she is the author of Eat, Pray, Love, Big Magic and City of Girls. She's written a few others as well. Uh, And she's also an incredibly inspiring speaker. And I'd never heard her speak before, Jordan. You have a few times, right? Yeah, I've heard her speak at the Opera House and I've heard her speak... At the Opera House, both times at the Opera House, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so- <laughs> Opera House, square. <laughs> she's incredible. Like, she's so magnetic. And, um, yeah, so I really, I yeah, I'm, I'm a bit shitty. I missed it, but. And I'll give you all the recaps, but honestly, she's one of those speakers that just knows how to captivate an entire audience. She had us laughing within 30 seconds that she stepped onto the stage and she held our attention, which is hard, especially someone like me, for an hour and a half in her storytelling. And I honestly, I laughed, I cried, I walked out of there feeling inspired and I can't wait to it's very Virgo full moon vibes, but I can't wait to take action steps out of the notes that I took down as she was speaking. So it was a it was a really amazing, um, amazing event. But what was interesting, Jordi, is you don't know what she's going to talk about 
You don't know the topics at hand. But what she spoke about blew my mind. She was talking about the one thing that she believes will create a revolution amongst women if we were all to embody this word. And she was rallying off all the words that you think, like vulnerability and, you know, uh, independence and all of the words that we think when it comes to powerful women. But do you know what the word was that she was talking about? Well, I do, but... Listeners, do you guys know? <laughs> you might know because it was kind of in the intro. Relaxed, being a relaxed woman. And then she went on and shared this story around how if we have almost a level of structure around our approach to being and showing up in a relaxed state, then the ripple effects and powerful change that that can have in our lives and on a global scale as well because everyone is definitely not relaxed right now, it will have profound impact. And I was so interested in what she was saying that I went home and was thinking, hang on, how often am I consciously making an effort to feel relaxed? What does relaxation even mean? Is it rest? Is it different, you know? Did she define what it means? Well, her definition of relaxation is the opposite of anxiety. And she said in her talk that to be born female is to be born anxious. It's like a collective energy as women that we have. We're constantly made to fear our our bodies, ourselves, our, you know, situations in life. We're on edge. There's always that vulnerability about us as well that we're not safe. And so coming at that collective energy is the opposite of relaxation. Uh, and she she went on to explain and define what worry is which I'll talk about in a second, and what the opposite of worry and anxiety being relaxation. But still, Jordan, it feels quite elusive to me. I don't know about you. Like, if I were to ask you what is does relaxation mean, what would you say? Um, relaxation to me means slowing down, um, releasing the need to be somewhere, do something, say something, act in a certain way. Um, it's this idea of letting go not like mm-hmm. holding on for fierce fear out of what would happen if you didn't or you mm-hmm. did, you know, mm-hmm. um, relax. And yeah, I guess like for me, <laughs> the ultimate relaxation for me wouldn't be on a physical level. It would be able to just relax my brain. If yeah. I could relax my brain. I feel like I would be able to experience relaxation. Absolutely. I I looked up the meaning just on dictionary.com and the definition of relaxation is the state of being free from tension and anxiety. Mm. So there's those two words. I mean, anxiety, obviously, but also tension. And you, when we were just speaking about relaxation, I felt my shoulders drop when I'm trying to feel into it in my body. It's like this, this state of, well, I was going to say rest, but then I started thinking, I, I rest a lot. <laughs> I'm grateful that I get a lot of rest in my week. I wouldn't say, Jord, that I am fully relaxed when I am resting. They're different things, right? Yes. And I looked up the definition of rest and it's to cease work or movement in order to relax. So rest can feed the feeling of relaxation, but when you're resting, you're not necessarily in a relaxed state. And, well, I guess yeah. I guess the difference that jumps out to me is that rest is something that the physical body does, and if relaxation is the opposite to fear and anxiety, then that's a a, a mental and emotive 
Absolutely. That, yeah, that makes sense. She went on to share her three steps to becoming more relaxed and they were priorities, knowing what your priorities are and where they lie because then you can make very relaxed decision-making processes based on who you're going to spend time with, what commitments you say yes to, what you say no to. And like she literally went to the extreme example of being like, if someone sends you an email and you don't want to reply to that email, then delete it. Don't let it sit in your inbox for a few days while you think about it. Don't feel like you owe anyone a response. If they're not a priority, get rid of it, move on. Like that was her definition definition of a relaxed state of being when it comes to work in priority. And then she spoke about boundaries as well. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> So you just delete it and it disappears? What kind of a world does Liz Gilbert live in? She does have a Virgo moon like me. Does she? Yeah. Right. Well, But she, I was like, is Liz Gilbert really doing that? Because I she, can't imagine her Virgo moon would be down with that. She said that she's like, literally the best, most relaxed response you can have to assert boundaries is this. I don't care. And then point to your priorities of what you do care about. It's pretty full on. Like she, she's quite harsh in what she, she basically says, draw a circle around yourself and the things that matter and anything that isn't within that circle, you just accepting yourself that you not do not care about what's outside the circle and just cull, delete, go unanswered, don't even engage. I was yeah. like, this is wild to me. Yeah. I love, I love it. I love it's, it. I think there's there's a lot of room for um, a shitstorm. Yes. Yeah. It's, well, it seems a bit self entitled to stand on the stage and say, just delete the things that you don't want to have to deal with. You know, like life, Liz. Life. But also, I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I, I wonder if it's actually her assistant, like replying to people. Like her deletion is just an outsource, you know. But for me as well, I'm like. I wouldn't feel relaxed because I would be so up in my head around potentially having offended someone, like not tying up a loose end. So that approach to me actually didn't feel like relaxation. It felt more stress-inducing. What I did like, her third step was mysticism. And, I, I mean, you and I talk about it as trust and faith and believing that there is something higher than that we do not see, she referred to it as source, that we are mere pawns in a game and it's not actually about us. There are little things going on behind the scenes of our lives that we don't even, we're not even aware of. And in any moment, no matter how bad it feels, everything is always okay. So it was that piece. And she used the example of her friend Richard from Texas, um, who she speaks very fondly of in Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, But he had a shocking, shocking, shocking life. And when he passed, he's like, I lived the best life. And his entire approach to life was everything's going to be all right because it always is all right. And Mm. I like that. I feel like that's a more relaxing approach to life than the deleting emails and not even responding. That gives me a little bit more anxiety than less. It gives me anxiety too. I feel like... uh what would serve me better is to dedicate some time to get back to the emails that matter and the ones that don't give me anxiety, but I just feel like accountable to, I could get rid of those. Like I get, I get about 15 emails a week of people asking to be a guest on Luna Lover, the podcast. Yeah. To which I now have an auto reply says that says, I don't have guests on Luna Lover, the podcast anymore. And if you listened to the show, you know <laughs> so I don't feel like I need to write back to those people. No. So those I can delete. Like that's yeah. fine, you know, yeah. but 
then there's other people who I kind of feel like I don't really want to write back to, but that if I didn't, I'd feel bad. And, and then that's not worth me ignoring. I agree. So if because I can dedicate time, then I can relax after it. Yeah. I, I guess it lends itself to the conversation. Relax is obviously a personal experience, relaxation. For you, Jord, when do you feel most relaxed? Well, it's been a while. Hmm. Um, and I'm probably not in the right space for you to ask me that right now because <laughs> I'm quite the opposite of it, although my body's begging me to relax. Yeah. Um, I guess when I'm on holiday and I don't have to look at my inbox, my email gives me so much anxiety. Like, yeah. honestly, it does. Um, and just when I don't have commitment, commitment, I think, is what prevents me from relaxation. When I have to be somewhere when I have to do something, when I'm accountable to another person. I don't mean like commitment as in relationship commitment. I just mean like having to show up for clients on these days at this time, no excuses, I've been paid to be there. You know, that sort of stuff can really take away from relaxation because there's no fluidity, there's no freedom in it, you know. Totally. So I think any time where I feel restricted, um, and like I don't have a choice. Yes. That's when I feel myself getting further away from relaxation. Because relaxation is surrender and and when you don't have a choice, it's almost force. So it's it's an opposite energetic exchange. Like it's the total opposite, right? Yeah. But then how are people going are people going about their days in a state of hundred percent relaxation all the time? I just feel like it's not possible unless you're a monk meditating all the time. Well, I don't think it is. I mean, was Liz saying it was? No, she was just saying that it would be an amazing revolution um revolution, yeah, for all women to just show up in their lives in a relaxed state. But I don't think that that I don't even know if people could do that fifty percent of the time. I I couldn't. But I think it's also the polarity piece, right? Like if you were always showing up in a relaxed state, then where would there be the spectrum between relaxation and anxiety? Like there has to be, like in order for relaxation to exist, it has to be on the spectrum and you have to be able to experience all the others. Otherwise it's redundant. That's actually true. It doesn't, yeah, it's not even a thing. No, it's like, well, if I'm constantly happy and there's no sadness, then what does happiness even mean? Yeah, true. You know? That's true. So I think you're wrong, Liz Gilbert, but I love this so much. <laughs> I love that <laughs> so much. I just, I, she said, um, the most relaxed person in the room holds the most power. And this was interesting. Agreed, Agreed right? Because you, when you're in a state of anxiety or even just heightened stress, Everything that happens to you physically, you are just zoning in on the thing that you are fixated on, that anxiety or that stressor point. When you're relaxed, you can take the entire environment in. You're reading social cues that you wouldn't pick up on otherwise. It's like this fluid, I guess it's a it's a flow state, right? Do you think that men are able to relax a lot easier than women are? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Trent, if I asked Trent how often he's relaxed, he'd probably be like, oh, 98% of the time. <laughs> Why is it a female thing? Why is it gendered? Well, I think that we, I mean, not a statistic, don't quote me on it, but I feel like women suffer from anxiety a lot more than men do. And I think that a lot of the time our way of like caring and showing love for someone is to worry about them. Yes, you're so right. It's like, I'm just having this conversation with you because I'm worried about you. Yeah. 
And then we take someone else's stuff on as our own and it becomes our worry, even though it's actually not our cross to bear. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really guess it's, it's like worrying about yourself, worrying about others. Where men, not that men aren't empathetic because I know plenty of men that are empathetic, but it doesn't consume them. They can empathize in the moment, but then they don't take it away with them. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. They don't carry it with them. Yeah. And that's, that is, it's that matter of being an empath versus being, is it, is it empathetic versus compassionate? And there's a difference between the two, right? I don't know if versus is the word, but no. being compassionate and being empathetic are, are two different things. So you can feel compassion for somebody, but you're not taking on their feelings where empathy you're feeling the feelings for them. Yeah, and it's been scientifically proven, Jord, that we are in a heightened stress response and anxiety response when we are empathising with a person. And that doesn't happen when we're offering somebody compassion. It's mind-blowing to me. Mm. It's- yeah, I think empathy is such a funny thing. You know, people wear empathy and being empathic as a badge of honour. And I'm, I'm an empath for sure but I've been very careful about how empathic I become and whether or not I can just be compassionate for somebody and sympathize with them without taking it on for myself. And is that purely through like energetic boundary pra- like practices? Is that how you differentiate between both? <laughs> little bit energetic and a little bit Polish proverb, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Yeah. It's really just creating some boundaries for yourself. It's like, because I, I used to get so worked up about other people's problems, and even as a kid, and my mom was like, George, like, it's okay to feel for that person, but they're not your problem. So you yes. processing it is a waste of your energy. It actually is. And a lot of the time we're processing our loved one's problems or, you know, problems that we've taken on from the news, collective problems, TV, whatever it is. And they haven't even asked us to carry it. Like it's not like <laughs> it's not like people are consciously dumping their stuff on us. We're just taking it on because we're a hashtag empath, hashtag highly sensitive person, and I just feel things a lot. And it's like, well, if you're in that state, you're actually doing your nervous system more harm than, harm than good and you can't possibly be relaxed and then Elizabeth Gilbert's not going to want to be your friend. That's right. I mean, Liz Gilbert's <laughs> not going to hang out with you if you're in a state of anxiety all the time. Do you know what I loved about her, though? And I know I keep bringing it back to her, but she she really does walk her talk in terms of boundaries. There was a woman at the very beginning, she said, take your phones out right now, get your 30-second footage of me, put your phones away for the next hour and a half. And then partway through, and she had been just talking about boundaries and, you know, asserting boundaries, a woman's taken out her phone and she stops mid-sentence, turns to this woman in the audience, goes, excuse me, are you actually shining a bright light from your phone and recording me in the middle of me speaking right now? And then the woman's put her phone away and she's gone, look, so much love to you, but I just found that incredibly distracting. And it was like, whoa, that is a woman who is owning her boundaries and I guess kind of being relaxed about it. She didn't She didn't question. She went back into her spiel. And that's it, right? That's it. It's like being – if you want to be in alignment with your values and who you are and your authenticity and what you believe in and what you preach and what's your message, then you can be a relaxed – you can be relaxed about it if you're in alignment with it. If you're not in alignment with what you preach and what you teach and all the rest of it, then it's going to be really hard to be in a relaxed state with it because you don't feel okay with what you're saying. That is actually such a good point, George. So it's almost like there's pre-work to be done 
before you can actually determine what your boundaries are and how to get into that relaxed state. Because if you don't know your values, then you're just running blind or copying off someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really getting clear on. And this is why self-awareness is such an important piece, right? It's like, Mm. if you can be super clear on who you are, then it doesn't really matter how many emails you get demanding things of you. If you know that it's not in alignment with you, you can just get rid of it and not worry about it. I get that now. Yeah, Yeah. I actually get it too. I'm glad that we, we came to that. So I guess, what is one thing that you'll do in the next week, George, to, <laughs> I've given you seven days, to induce a state of relaxation? And it doesn't have to be longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> she doesn't look very happy, guys. <laughs> um, I'm in a particularly stressful time in my life at the moment. Um, I don't know, Hole. Um, okay, so, well... The physical resting I do, so that's not my issue whatsoever. Now that, yeah. Um, I was just saying to Holly off the call, I've, I, I usually meditate every day, and for the last week, every time I go to sit in meditation, it's, it's a real struggle, which means I need it more than ever. Um, and the only way I can get through a medi is to actually do a guided one. I can't sit on my own. It's too much. And mm-hmm. Joe dispenses too much for me at the moment as well. I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, Joe. That is, I don't need any birds dying today. (laughs) So I just do like a really sweet yoga nidra. You know what I did yesterday actually, which made me feel way more relaxed than anything I've done in a long time was I took my Shakti mat outside. It's a little bit cooler in Byron at the moment. It's about 25, 24, maybe like 66% humidity. So it's not like crazy out there. I lay on my Shakti mat, um, bare chested in the sun and got some Vic D and it actually felt so lovely. And there's something about the sun being on my face that calms my brain down as well. For me, Mm. I guess what I'm trying to say is whole, the biggest thing for me in finding relaxation is being able to switch my mind off. It never, ever, ever stops. And while I'm writing this book at the moment, whether I'm physically sitting down to write or I'm not, I'm still writing it in my head. And um, mm. I need to, I guess, over the next week, really, really come to terms with how I'm going to stop that brain overload because it's starting to take a toll on me physically. Like I can feel my nerve endings on fire. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's really great that you went and got some vitamin D and actually prioritise that because I do know you've got so much on at the moment. So the fact that beneath it all you were like no I still need to go outside and do this that's to be commended because here's the other thing Jord our culture does not celebrate relaxation Mm-mm. you we do not look at women and go I'm so inspired by her look how relaxed <laughs> she is yeah that's like, so true you know we're looking at them and she's a go-getter and she works so yeah. hard and she climbed her way to the top it's like <laughs> oh I love Oprah because she's just so relaxed you know? <laughs> like, I don't even know she's a woman a in my life that I could expl- like that I could say is just relax. I just don't even know. Well, one. did Liz Gilbert comment on that? Like, yeah, she said the same. She's like, "There's likely not one woman in your life that you could describe as relaxed." Yeah, but, like- but is there a reason for that? Like, is relaxing 
going to give you the results you need. This is me being devil's advocate, not me saying yeah. that's the No, truth. I get it. I, I, she didn't go there. She, I guess, is trying to create this conversation because it's there's a real issue around it, but I don't think people have figured it out. She said if you go on Google and type in relaxed woman, all you get are stock photos of women having hot stone massages. Like, no, it's, it's a treat, though. Have you ever had one? So no. Good. But I even, I even sometimes when I'm getting a massage, I'm not relaxed. I'm like, I can't breathe through the hole in the table. And oh god, do I do I tell her that she's pushing a bit too hard? And like, that's not relaxing. No, that's also because you're up in your head. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. What are you gonna do this week to relax? Again, I don't, I don't know. I like you, I rest. A lot. I'm not relaxed when I'm resting. I'm feeling guilty that I'm resting. I'm on Vox to 30 people. It's like I'm lying down, but I'm still active in the mind. Um, <laughs> well, it's like um, we were saying before, like, I don't even relax when I'm sleeping because I yeah. just dream all night and process. My brain is actually not stopping. So that's really hard too because it's like, well, when sleep doesn't count as relaxation. Then you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what does relax me? And I haven't done it in a very long time, but I'll do it this week, maybe every day. Legs up the wall. That's a good idea. I was also going to say the float tank. Do you feel like that relaxes you? Sometimes on a bad day, no, it gives me anxiety. (laughs) And like, because you're with your thoughts. On a good day, I drop into theta brainwave, like really, really good. Yeah. Um, But legs up the wall, like without distraction, even if it's what, a couple of minutes, I can feel the relaxing effect. That's so true. I'm going to do that. Do you know that I have no walls? I have no walls in my house. How do you? Oh, I did legs up at your place. Remember? And I just put it, put my legs against the couch. Oh. Yeah. Oh, the back of the couch? The back. Okay, that's what I'll have to do. Because I'm like, there's no flat (laughs) wall in the entire house. That's so weird. As a yoga instructor, George, uh, what are some of the most relaxing yoga poses, like yin poses that people can do at home? Yeah, that's a really good question. Shavasana is your friend. Okay. Corpse pose, lying on your back, palms facing up towards the sky. Um, Legs up the wall is great. Um, because it starts to get blood flow back to the heart. So it's new energy coming through the body. But, I mean, that's really good. I should practice what I preach. Actually going to a yin class, as restorative as it is um, and as slow as it is, it is actually restoring your energy levels. Mm. So um, it it can give you more energy for if you can drop into relaxation in the class than if you were to go for a run or, you know. That's true. Or Or a walk or something or a Pilates class. Yeah. That maybe we both need to revisit our yin practices. Mm, I think I might do a yin practice at home because I don't like any of the other teachers. And then that doesn't relax you because you're thinking, oh, God, I don't, I don't gel with this teacher. <laughs> I'm always relaxing your yin classes, actually. Thank you. That's you because, know how to... That's because I drug you all. <laughs> that mist that I spray is really... <laughs> A sedative. <laughs> Imagine. I'm not complaining. If it was, it's fine. It's I know. I'd be work. so good with that. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, let us know, what do you do that actually relaxes you? And we're not talking rest. We're talking actually relax because we clearly need some ideas. <laughs> Isn't this terrible? We should have it's come actually, with them. But but yeah. it's, it's that realization that rest is, uh, sorry, relaxation is not rest. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, because, okay, so... 
I before we got on this call, I'm like, Holly, I've never felt more shit. I'm completely burnt out. And I don't know what's triggered it because I haven't been exerting myself at all. So usually in the past, like I'll get some sort of adrenal fatigue if I've overexercised or I've been traveling or something, but I haven't done anything. And it's because I haven't switched my brain off in probably a few months and it's starting to take a toll on my body. And that's because it doesn't matter how much physical rest I'm doing. I'm not relaxing. relaxing. It's a lack of relaxing. It's a relax. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the truth. And I, I assume, I mean, without looking at the science behind it, that it is a cumulative effect that will take take impact over time. And if you haven't relaxed in a certain amount of time, then you are lending yourself to burnout slash nervous breakdown. And then that is more common than relaxing. Am I having a nervous breakdown? <laughs> I mean, you do have a sharp object that you're pointing on your forehead. It's an alpha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I couldn't take it on the aeroplane, so I took it out of my handbag. Oh, good on you. Yeah, but I didn't hop on the aeroplane, and here we are. <laughs> Me trying to stab myself in the eye with it. <laughs> Guys, I think she's having a nervous breakdown. So, John, yeah. what are your multiple recos for us this week? <laughs> okay, so I was just going to reco one thing. But um, I have three friends who all had books that were released in the same week. And I was like, I can't mention one without the other because I love them all so much. And they're all really, honestly, really great books. And so I thought I'd just record all three of them. So the first one is um, by my good friend Cassie Mendoza-Jones. And it's called Aligned and Unstoppable. And it's all about alignment. um, But especially when it comes to business. Yeah, ah. like really aligning yourself with the things that matter. Love. She's written two books before it. She's written um, You, Are, you Enough. Are Enough. I love that book. And It's All Good. Um, she's very funny. Like Cassie's got a really good sense of humor. So they're quite easy reads. They're really easy to read, really fun. Um, and yeah, highly recommend Aligned and Unstoppable. The next one is Plants for the People by Erin Lovell Verinda. Now, Erin is my naturopath. Um, If you were a part of Make It Happen 2020, she was in our week two group. Um, And she's just full of so much wisdom. She's an energetic healer, a naturopath, a nutritionist, a writer. And this is, it's basically a, a book about plant medicine. Mm. But it's a reference it's a reference book, but it's also got beautiful recipes in it, like recipes that I'm making constantly. And um wow. also just really beautiful, evocative written prose about mm. plants. It's really, really special. The photos of that book I saw when I was at your place, it's stunning. It's like a coffee table type book. You'd have it out. Yeah. It's amazing. Beautiful. And then the third book is called Heavily Meditated, and Mm -hmm. it is by my friend Caitlin Caddy, and it's all about meditation. It's a really kind of um, beautiful snapshot of meditation. So it doesn't like, it doesn't subscribe to one form. It kind of looks at all the different ones, and it's really about finding your why when it comes to meditation, because Mm. I think some people get so bogged down in the how of meditation and forget why they're actually sitting down to do it and what it means to them. There's lots of beautiful exercises in there. The photography in the book is next level and the design of the book is next level. Like it's just a gorgeous book to have. She's very gangster. 
You know, Ooh. like she's very fun, easy to read language, also a beautiful writer. Um, would make a great gift for anybody in your life. Look at you with all the author friends. It's it's so true what they say. You are the sum total of the people that you spend the most time with. It's so true. But it also, like, we were talking about it collectively, um, Aaron, Caitlin, and I the other day. It's a very strange world to have all your friends as authors because what it starts to do is it takes away the specialness of having a book deal because you're like, oh, no, everyone has a book deal. No, everyone doesn't. Not everyone does. But when all your friends do, it doesn't feel as special. Yeah, I get that. I'm in awe. When I meet a published author, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like, I still die when I see Make It Happen in the shop. I'm like, (laughs) that is literally my best friend's book and (laughs) I can't even handle it. Have I told the listeners a story in the airport bookshop that time? I don't know. It was a woman who was looking at Make It Happen. She was reading the back and I just went over to her and I went, I've read that book. It's fantastic. It'll change your life. And then I walked out. She would have been like, who is that strange, strange woman? <laughs> I hope she bought it. You should have stuck around to see. I was on the way flying to your house and I was oh. like, do I tell her that I'm flying to the author's house? I'm like, no, no, no. Then she'll think I'm being biased. That's so funny. I was on an aeroplane once and there was a woman. She wasn't sitting next to me. She was. There was a guy in between us and she was reading it. And I oh. leaned over him and I said, oh, is that book any good? And she said, yeah, I've just started, but it's really good. And I was like, cool. And you didn't say that you'd written it? No. Oh, my God. I love that, I love that about you because I would be the opposite. This would is you? why I don't have a book deal. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> would you be like, oh, my God, I wrote that book. Do you like it? Remember we went into the Byron Bay bookstore together and I was like, oh here's my cabin. And I go to the owner of the shop. She wrote this. <laughs> they pulled George to have a photo. Oh, was that that time where they took a photo of me? Yeah, that was horrific. That's my worst nightmare. And it happens every time I go into that bookstore when I know someone. So I've just stopped going in there with people I know because I'm like, don't draw attention to me. It's so exciting when your friend's an author. That's that's what we were talking about. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. it is is exciting. And I'm so proud of all three of these women and they're really exceptional books. So I think you will love them. How good is that? Um, Jord, I'm going to wreck up another Netflix series because apparently I'm you. (laughs) Don't say that. In a good way. You watch a lot of things. I do. You know more than me. I do watch a lot of things. This is another doco series on Netflix. And, guys, I'm throwing a bit of a spanner in the works. It's called Formula One Drive to Survive. (laughs) With me. Okay. I need need to give you guys some context. I am not a Formula One racing gal. I've never watched it in my life. (laughs) You're going to say I'm not a Formula One driver. Definitely not a Formula One driver. I know nothing about it until now. I know everything. But at the time, I was like, I'm not interested in this. But I was unwell. Trent put the first episode of season one on. And do you know what I found myself doing, Jord? I found myself putting my phone down to watch the show. I finished two series now. Trent and I have bonded over it. He's like, who even are you? But i got to tell you, ladies, there's a few things I love about it. Number one. Apparently, you have to be a delicious, beautiful male god to be an F1 driver. What the hell is that about? Like, I don't know. They're very attractive, though. I can, I I can to watch. I was like, babe, just give it, give it two apps and just for the man candy alone. Holy, holy moly. It just yeah. gets better. And they're really nice, too. 
they are funny. They are nice. I have the biggest crush on Daniel Ricardo. Like, looked but up. Also, why I- are they so fit? Because they're just sitting in a car. I don't know if it's like a, I don't know, an adrenaline thing where their heart needs to be strong enough to handle the adrenaline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, they're driving so fast, guys. Like, I, I get it. Like, yeah, Formula One is fast, but I don't understand it. Do you the, think also they have to be a certain weight? Yeah, totally. Of course, it make the car go faster. Mm. So this docu-series looks at the drivers but also the managers and the team owners and it's all about the intricacies of this sport on and off the track. So you are looking at all the different teams, the scandals beneath the teams poaching other drivers. You're looking at their athleticism in driving these very, very, very fast, dangerous cars. They absolutely do not um, skimp on the danger aspect and, you know, all of the challenges that come up in that regard. Uh, also, the the luxury that is in F1, like they're always in Monte Carlo and they've got these big gala nights. It's just this entire world that I didn't even know existed mm. and I loved learning more about it. I think Jordan and I, we're both the same. It's like we just love to learn about things that we don't know about. But again, like what I said last week with Chia, seeing people in their zone of genius at the top of their game doing incredible things, it just really inspires me. So it's definitely one to watch with the man in your life if you have one, and that could be your dad, your brother, but also maybe not because I would watch it without Trent. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, Joy. So I was initially going to do Elizabeth Gilbert because that would have been great, but she doesn't have a rising sign, and you just said you knew her moon anyway. So I know I'm glad her I did. as well. That's a good thing that you didn't do that. Yeah, she's a cancer. She is, Cancer Virgo Moon. Yeah. So I thought I'd stick with the royal family theme from last week. Okay. Guess that celebrity natal chart, Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, okay. This is great. Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, God. Mm. Okay, so the first thing that came up for me was Capricorn, but I don't know where it sits. But is there one? There's a Capricorn placement. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, now I'll really tune in. Okay. Is her moon fire? Yes. Yeah. Is her sun Capricorn? No. Okay. So her rising's Capricorn. Correct. And she's got a fire moon. Okay. So what is her sun? Now, when I'm tuning into Queen Elizabeth, I'm tuning into the crown version. I thought you might. <laughs> so I've really like, got to bring myself back to the actual Queen Lizzie. <laughs> I was like, George, totally going to get this because she loves the crown as well. Like, she's fine. But I feel like I really know her. Um, okay. Capricorn <laughs> um, I want to say Aries moon. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Sagi moon? No. Leo Moon. She's just a little performer at heart. Oh, that's that actually, that shocks me. Because the reason I said Fire Moon is I saw this kind of like Aries um, little inner child raging, stomping, yes. kind of tantruming. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Um, Capricorn Rising. What is her son? Mm. Is it Earth? Yes, it is. Yeah. 
Ooh. Is it Taurus? Yeah. 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 I really see that, actually. Mm. Taurus sun, Capricorn rising, Leo moon. Leo moon. Isn't that interesting? I love it. I feel like there's this hidden Lizzie we don't see. Hidden Lizzie. That could be his story. That could be a movie. Yeah. Or a docu-series on Netflix. (laughs) I really like that. Thanks for choosing her. I would never have looked her up. It was so hard for me to think of someone because I also thought Anthony LaPaglia from Survivor. That's Jonathan LaPaglia. That one. Oh, well, lucky I didn't do Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jord, you put up a really beautiful, beautifully articulated post on Instagram last night. Uh, And if the listeners haven't jumped on and had a look yet, I would encourage them to. You mentioned that because obviously you're a yoga teacher as well, there have been some changes you've had to make in your yin classes where you're not actually able to touch people anymore. Yeah, it's not a strict rule, um, but it's been suggested that we refrain from assisting in yoga classes. Um, I guess it's a it's a coronavirus uh, preventative. Mm. Um, I I unlike a lot of yoga teachers, I actually touch students a lot throughout class. Um, there's a lot of face touching that goes on. I do a lot of temple massage and forehead massage. Um, and I will move from one student to the next. So mm. I I do have to be quite careful in the way that I am interacting with my students because even if I was to wash my hands before class and sanitize, I still am touching them and then touching the next student. So yeah. I've had to come up with a few different ways to kind of battle it. But I think yesterday was the first time that – everything that's going on with Corona kind of hit home. Like up until now I've been like, Oh, everyone's, you know, getting really hyped up about it. And um, Mm. it's really not that bad. It doesn't kill anyone and all of those sorts of things and, and feeling very removed from it. And Mm. then yesterday when (laughs) Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson announced that they had it, it's something about a celebrity having the virus that makes it more relatable to people, which is hilarious because we don't know them from a bar of soap. (laughs) Um, And then the US closing the borders and like all this sort of stuff happened. And I guess shit kind of just got really real. Real. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same, Jordan, in my Pilates class yesterday. We were handed Dettol wipes and bless, she was so apologetic about it. And she's like, I, I, I just have to do, this is my due diligence here. And it's like, right, okay, this is really impacting just the way that we're going about our day-to-day lives. It's not outside of us anymore. It's it's something that is impacting everything we do from, you know, you and your livelihood and how, you know, part of your job and how we move our bodies. It's every It's everything. It's yeah. everywhere. It is everywhere. And um, it's just probably for a little bit going to get worse. And then I think it's going to get better. What we, what we actually spoke about in the weekly energy read this week in the middle membership group was kind of like the gold and the silver lining of everything that's going mm. on at the moment. It's, it's asking us all to be quite adaptable. And mm. I really feel like, I really feel it strong in my bones that everything that's happened in 2020 and it got quite cataclysmic earlier in the year with the bushfires and then the floods and now the virus. I do feel like it's stripping us back and saying, oi, humans, take a look at yourselves. (laughs) 
Yeah. So that we can start to step up and put different um, plans in place, you know, whether it's around the climate, whether it's around our health system, whether it's around the way that we travel, the way that the governments are working, you know. I think that sometimes we have to, much like in our personal lives, hit rock bottom. It's got to get worse before it gets better. I use this really beautiful analogy of a boil and lancing a boil. And it's like, you've got to actually go through the mess and the pain of that before you get to the smooth, clear surface underneath and the beautiful new skin. And I feel like we are in the moment where the boil is erupting and it feels really messy and painful but what comes after that and that's the silver lining in this jord it just has to it's it's cyclical right like everything yeah absolutely so um i did a little bit of reading about corona the virgo mm-hmm. in me was like okay so sometimes it's better just to if you don't want to get caught up in the hype it's better just to know what the facts are Yeah, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. So this is what I do know. Mm. I know that in order to contract the virus, you need to be within a certain distance of someone for a period of time up to 15 minutes. Sorry, of 15 minutes or more, yeah? Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. also, if you are washing your hands and sanitizing your hands and not touching your face, Mm. you have almost zero risk of contracting the virus. Wow. What I did realize today was that I touch my face a lot. I'm constantly doing it, Jordan. I'm so hyper aware of it now. Yeah, it's crazy, but that's good, right? And like a lot of memes on the internet have been saying, guys, we should always be washing our hands. Like, do you not wash your hands? This is terrible Like simple hygiene. (laughs) So there's that. Um, What I did find really interesting was that the virus can survive on hard surfaces for up to 72 hours. I I found that quite astounding. So even if you haven't been in contact with somebody, if you are on a bus, if you are pushing a shopping trolley, if you are in contact with any hard surface, it's really important that you are sanitizing your hands because Mm -hmm. the virus can stay alive for 72 hours. Okay. I love this pragmatic approach, Joe, because do you know what it does? It takes out the emotion. And that's what I I know both of us have found quite challenging in moments is this collective fear, uh, erratic behavior and hysteria. And when you just look at the facts at hand and what you can do in your personal life, then it, it, it you're removed from the hysteria. You're not going out and stockpiling toilet paper because you realize that that's not actually the issue at hand. I think also when you're looking at facts, one of the really interesting one is that the mortality rate of coronavirus is less than 1%. Wow. Yeah. 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 I've seen those memes doing the rounds. Well, they're not really memes. They're just like they are kind of fact slides, which is, you know, heart disease is the biggest killer in our country and kills X amount of people every day compared to corona and, you know, suicide and all of these other things that are way more intense. So it's almost like, again, just looking at the facts and we're likely we're more likely to be killed by snake bite than corona at this point. Absolutely. And there's yeah. lots of snakes outside my front door, as we all yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. It's it's also like it's it's really it's really a time when I feel like it's okay to isolate oneself and 
you know, really allow yourself to lean into your introvert tendencies um, mm. and it be, it be quite accepted. So like if we look at, if we look mm. at it another way, yeah, it can suck that offices are shutting down. The, the platform that hosts our podcast, they just sent an email around this morning saying that the Sydney office has been shut down and they're all working from home, which is a real mm. shame because they just opened these amazing podcast studios and no one can use them now. Uh. But it's just, for, it's just for two weeks. But it's, you know, even though there's all this sort of like forced kind of shutdown period, it's also a really good time to go, okay, well, there has been a forced shutdown. So I'm really going to take the time to you know, do a little bit of self-care at home and eat more at home and clean the house and, you know, rest. Yeah, surrender to it. Watch some Netflix, read some books. you got a list of recos. Go back and listen to old middle podcast steps. But it's true. It's surrendering to what is outside of our control and also recognising what is within our control and and acting on that. Yeah. Yeah, there's been um, lots of articles that have come out today since the US went into lockdown pretty much that are all like five Netflix docos to watch this quarantine period. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know what, Joan? I think that that's what is um, fueling a lot of this fear right now isn't contracting corona because, I mean, personally, that's not what I'm fearful of. If there was any charged fear-based emotion with this, it would be the quarantine just because I don't want to be stuck somewhere for a long period of time and not have freedom to move or go anywhere, even though on a normal week, I never leave the house. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what are you worried about? I think it's just the freedom of choice thing. <laughs> totally. No, I'm the same. I, okay. I keep thinking if I have to be quarantined anywhere, I want to be quarantined at home in Byron. Like I just won't be leaving for a little while because the idea of getting stuck somewhere just doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah, the only place I'd like to get stuck would be Byron. And I mean, I do have a very, very short trip coming up. So maybe that will happen and we can quarantine together. Oh my God, in my tiny apartment. I think you might have to find your own quarantine spot. (laughs) (laughs) That would make for a great sitcom, The Quarantined Gals. God. I'd have to quarantine myself before you got here. I'm like, sorry, Holly, you can't come in. It's quarantine. <laughs> Too late. So, John, what would you say to people who are finding themselves quite caught up in the hysteria that is mass at the moment? Yeah, I, I would not let yourself get caught up in the hysteria and go back to the facts. If you contract the virus, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to die. Um, you yeah. might have to stay at home on your own for two weeks. I mean, it sounds like heaven to me. Um, In terms of the panic buying, I don't have an answer for that because what's happening, I think, did we talk about this last episode? What's happening now is that people are panic buying because of the people that panic bought before them and now there's nothing and so they're panicking, which I I get. Like I get it because the same thing happened to me the other day when I tried to get toilet paper. There just wasn't any and so I had to buy more than I usually would because I found some and, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, But I would try, I would try as a collective not to get caught up in that. Um, Mm. And I think at the end of the day, coronavirus is energy just like everything else in the universe and it will move in cycles it will move in cycles it might get a little worse but it will get better i I mean case in point the fires there are none burning in the 
in New South Wales right now. Mm. So remember when we were in the thick of it and it felt so foggy and heavy and we couldn't see a way out and we all had to take a breather from social, it's going to be the same in this case and the intensity will rise and then it will settle again, just like everything. And we've got this. We're fine. Gosh, if we get through the first three months of 2020, we can do anything. I know. (laughs) 2020's given it hard, isn't it? It's like, we get it. (laughs) 2020's coming swinging. I saw the funniest thing um, before someone was saying on social, I take it back 2019. I know I shit talked on you all year, but I want to go back. (laughs) Yeah, it's been rough. It's been really rough. I think it's going to be okay, though. I really do. He's hoping. So, Jord, tomorrow night is our first group coaching call in the middle membership. So exciting. So exciting. So as a reminder, tomorrow's call is all about um, helping you connect with your spirit guides. Yeah. So connect with them, work with them, introduce yourself to them, you know, pull up a rug and take a seat. So if you want to join the first coaching call for middle membership and you're not yet a middle member, just jump in the link in our show notes. It will direct you straight through to sign up and then the Facebook group. And that's where the call is going to be taking place tomorrow at 7 p.m. Yeah. So if you're listening on any other day than Monday, tomorrow is Tuesday, March 17th at 7 p.m. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Asapati and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast. And while you're there, jump on into The Middle membership. We can't wait to see you in our call tomorrow night. We don't have a newsletter anymore. Our bonus recos go in The Middle membership group. But you can also connect with us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. Catch you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 